Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast covering your favorite crew featuring Peter and David Go. Welcome to this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Today will mark the start of a short new series previewing the ball club, and it will be just me, David Go, our analyst. Uh, in today, Peter Go will not be here, but we will take a look at the starting rotation for the Brewers in 2020. So any pitcher that figures to make a number of starts in, in 2020, we will be discussing them. And before we get started, uh, a word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor is a free and easy to use provider for all of your podcast needs. There are tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your computer or mobile device, and Anchor will distribute your podcast to all of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also make money with no minimum listenership, and overall we've been very satisfied with Anchor for these reasons. So if you're interested in creating your own podcast, be sure to check out Anchor for all of your podcast needs at anchor.fm, that's A-N-C-H-O-R, .fm or by downloading the app on your favorite app store. Again, that's anchor.fm or the Anchor app, A-N-C-H-O-R. Be sure to check out our blog, bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com. On our blog, we have a number of articles previewing the season, both league-wide and a more focused piece on your Milwaukee Brewers. More analysis will be coming soon as well. We will analyze the roles of certain players for the upcoming season. I'll likely have one up probably in the next week or so, about Corbin Burns, one of the more intriguing arms that the Brewers have for 2020. So make sure you check that out again. That's bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com. Welcome back to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Today will be just me, David Go here with you to preview the rotation. Now, this is a rotation that saw a lot of turnover in the offseason, we saw the additions of Josh Lindblom, Eric Lauer, and Brett Anderson. However, Chase Anderson was shipped to the Blue Jays in the offseason, as was Zach Davies to the Padres, and Gio Gonzalez did depart in free agency to go to the White Sox, as did Jordan Lyles to the Rangers. So ultimately, we will see a lot of new faces here in the rotation, but I definitely think that this can be one of the bright spots, even though there is a bit of uncertainty, and anchoring the rotation will be a familiar face the big right-hander Brandon Woodruff. Woodruff had a, a terrific year last year. He threw 121 innings and was really one of the most valuable pitchers in the National League inning by inning. Now his 3.62 ERA shows that he was a good but not great pitcher and actually the the projections on Fangrass um, do not have him as being as taking the next step. However, my projection system the insider actually believes he will take the next step. And and there's there's not bias here. There is a, a computer model that I use for it. And my projection has him for 60 innings in the shortened season with a 3-2-1 ERA. Now, I, I actually have him slotted for probably the best season by a starting pitcher since we saw Jimmy Nelson a few years ago in 2017 have that terrific year before the, the gruesome shoulder injury when he dove back into first base. But the thing with Woodruff here is, is not only has he come with a little bit of a track record last year having some success, but he also comes with a lot of upside. Woodruff has an electric arm. He's a big-bodied right-hander who throws for, with a very high velocity, yet you don't really have concern about the arm giving away 
like you do with some of the smaller guys who might be throwing max effort every pitch. Woodruff actually last year struck out over 10 batters per nine, which is an excellent mark, especially for a starting pitcher. He walked just over two batters per nine, which is exceptional as well. And he allowed home runs at only about 0.9 per nine, which is, again, above average. And he actually was a little bit of the culprit of some bad luck. I actually think that Woodruff is one of the best pitchers in the National League. Going into the, the full season that we thought we were going to have, I was going through my projections and and I had him actually slotted in at fifth place for the National League Cy Young, which would be a, an outstanding season if, if we were able to see Woodruff really take the next step as the ace of the Brewers. And I definitely do think that Woodruff can do that and that he will begin taking that next step in 2020, even in a shortened season. And it, I think Woodruff is actually maybe the most intriguing player on the Brewers this year. Slotted right behind Woodruff is Adrian Hauser. Hauser was acquired via trade in 2015 in that Carlos Gomez trade brought back uh, some nice talent for the Brewers. They got Hayter, Brett Phillips, who was then shipped to Kansas City a few years later to bring back Mike Moustakis, who helped the Brewers in two playoff runs, and Domingo Santana, who brought back Ben Gamble after a few productive seasons in Milwaukee. And Hauser actually... He debuted with the Brewers in 2015 at, uh, at a pretty young age. However, he underwent Tommy John surgery the following season, and it took him a little bit to get back going. However, last year he really broke out as a member of the rotation. It, it took him a little bit to get going, and he was a reliever for the first half of the year until some injuries happened and the Brewers decided to turn to him in the rotation. And I believe in his first 10 to 12 starts, he actually had an ERA around six. I think I think it was it maybe first eight starts. And it was really after that that he began to turn things around. He actually finished the year combined between the rotation and the bullpen with a 3.72 ERA, striking out about nine and a half batters per nine innings and walking just three batters per nine innings with about an average home run rate. So Hauser actually figures to be an, an important member of the rotation. And I think that he's a very, very dependable pitcher, uh, whether he slots in at the, the two spot, the three spot, the four spot. I think that Hauser actually will become a mainstay, a staple in the rotation for a number of years. And the reason I say that is because of his, his good stuff. He's got a quality breaking ball, pretty good changeup, throws the ball pretty well, sits about 93, 94 miles an hour with his fastball and, and is able to locate. And he doesn't blow batters away, but he is a very consistent starter. And, and what, I think that that provides a lot of value. And I think Hauser will, will slot into that number two spot in the rotation fairly well. And he, he still is only about 26 years old, 27 years old. And so there is upside as he's still, still hitting his stride. Last year was his first real season in the major. So it'll be interesting to see this year. And then obviously next year as a, as a full season, how Hauser is able to adapt to that full season in the starting rotation. Now, the next starter, this pretty interesting signing that the Brewers made was Josh Lindblom, who actually won the uh, Korean version of the most valuable player in 2019 as a member of the Doosan Bears. Some of you maybe have been following along with the Korean baseball organization 
a lot of their games have been broadcast on ESPN and they were the first the first big league to get baseball going. The Chinese Professional Baseball League did as well a little bit before Korea. But Korea does have a little bit of a higher talent level. We did see Eric Thames come back to Milwaukee after a number of um, out-of-this-world seasons in uh, in Korea as a member of the NC Dinos. But last year, Lynn Bloom, as a member of the Doosan Bears, had 30 starts, went 20-3, and 2.5 ERA, in a league that's still dominated by hitters more so, even, even after they dejuiced the ball. Struck out almost nine batters per nine innings, walked less than one and a half batters per nine, and led the Doosan Bears to the, the, the championship in Korea. And Lindblom has actually spent a number of years in Korea. He spent a, a partial year with the Pirates a number of years ago, sandwiched in between three years with the Lotte Giants and the Doosan Bears, two years with the Doosan Bears. And the thing that's interesting about Lindblom is you don't really know what you're getting. I mean, we see some of the other guys that the Brewers brought in, Eric Lauer, Brett Anderson, and they've proven themselves to an extent at the big league level, especially Anderson. But Lindblom has not. And Lindblom really, it seems like, has, has well, he's, he did add the splitter while he was in Korea. I think the command is the biggest thing that he's improved. If you look back at his statistics before he left for Korea, his walk rates were mediocre at best he was allowing a lot of home runs and that's not not the case anymore in his stats in the kbo and it seems like it will be able to translate back into the major leagues i actually have lynn bloom projected for a 4.08 era 8.4 strikeouts per nine 2.7 walks per nine and 1.2 home runs per nine now again this is a, a statistical computer model and I actually personally, my own personal beliefs, believe that he will strike out a, a few less batters than that, but walk a few less as well. And I think that Lynn Bloom has a, has a, a good shot at being a solid three or four starter in the big leagues. He's not your, uh, your typical free agent signing like we've seen in the past. Thankfully, only three years, $9 million, which is a, a terrific value for the Brewers. Even if he becomes a swingman, that's still... A great value and not one of the the albatross contracts like we might have seen with with Kyle Loesch or Jeff Subban, Matt Garza like Brewer fans may be accustomed to. That brings us to the fourth member of the rotation, Eric Lauer. Lauer is a, a left-handed pitcher who was brought over via trade from San Diego. That was the trade where the Brewer sent outfielder Trent Grisham and the right-handed pitcher Zach Davies to San Diego in exchange for Luis Urias, the uh, the middle infielder, and Eric Lauer. And Lauer actually started for the Padres on opening day last year, if I'm not mistaken. He overall had a, a productive year in San Diego, was a, about an average starting pitcher, which I think that people do not give enough credit to average major league players. It is insanely hard to become an average major league player, and there's real value for a team in having a number of average players on your team because you can't have superstars at every position. Lauer threw about 150 innings last year. He produced about an average strikeout rate, an average walk rate, and average home run rate. Um, obviously, I was saying that he was about an average pitcher. You can see it just by those numbers. But there is a little bit of upside here. He, he's only entering his age 25 season, 
which bodes well for him in a, a potential breakout year. I do think one issue that that did um, that did get to him a little bit later in the year was his home run rate. And Miller Park is not very conducive to, to pitchers who allow a lot of home runs. He's generally a fly ball pitcher. A little, he allows a pretty pretty equal amount of ground balls and fly balls, uh, even though the ground ball rate is a little bit higher at this point, I believe. And Lauer's middling home run rate may cause some some troubles at Miller Park. The ball flies. The fences are not too far from home plate. And for that reason, I believe that it, it could end up becoming an issue. However, I do think that there's real upside here in Lauer. He's got some pretty good stuff. He locates the ball well, and he won't. Again, he won't blow batters away. I think. I think ultimately his his ceiling is about a three starter, but his floor is about a five starter. And I have him projected for forty innings, a four point three nine ERA, eight strikeouts per nine, just over three walks per nine, and about one and a quarter home runs per nine. And I, I would be very satisfied with that result, actually, because Lauer. Does not come with with total certainty. He's a little bit young again, and not not the most proven. But if he can become a dependable back end of the rotation starter, that will provide real value for the Brewers, especially in a shortened season with less off days and a little bit more of a need for innings from starting pitching. And that brings us to our fifth starter, projected fifth starter for the Brewers, and that would be left-handed pitcher Brett Anderson, who has been in the league for quite a long time. He is also a fantastic follow on Twitter, if you are not following him already. He's been a little bit outspoken about the the uh, negotiations between the Players Union and the Major League Baseball owners, and he also has made, some, uh, made for some great quotes, whether it's about sign stealing or, uh, or other aspects of the game. But Anderson has never been a strikeout pitcher. He's always been a guy who will will keep the ball on the ground in the ballpark. And last year was actually his full first full season since 2015. He's been hampered down by injuries a lot over the course of his career. Only three full seasons out of the 11 that he has played at the major league level. And that will be the major key for him. Anderson actually finished dead last among qualifying starters in strikeout rate in, in 2019 in the whole major leagues not just the American League. He was a member of the Oakland Athletics who won, I believe, 97, 98 games. And what he lacks in in his, his stuff, his strikeout numbers, he will make up for in, in keeping the ball on the ground and in the ballpark, like I said. He is, yeah, a, a dependable back end of the rotation starter. He actually wasn't my favorite signing. I thought that they could have allocated the five million dollars towards a different starting pitcher i know alex wood signed for about the same number i would i would much rather have a, a lefty like alex wood if you were available to the brewers for the same amount of money but anderson is a brewers type pitcher we've seen the brewers target starting pitchers a lot lately who may not blow hitters away they might not be your your prototypical strikeout guys that we see in today's modern game however they get the job done one one light concern that I would have is the Brewers' defense is not quite as good as it has been in the, the previous few years. Smoke is okay at first, but Hira's definitely below average at second. Urias is average at best at short, and RC is okay, makes a lot of errors still. And then Sogard should be fine at third, but, but Moustakis and Shaw were both very good at third, and 
it, it will be interesting to see how that maybe has an effect on Anderson's performance in 2020. So those are the five primary starters that the Brewers have in 2020. But there, there will probably be a need for more than just five starters with the uh, 60 games in 67 days. And so Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns, the two, the two pitchers that, uh, that Brewer fans love to bring up when talking about the future and a little bit of uncertainty there, will figure to get at least a few starts in 2020. And I have them slotted for uh, kind of a swingman role. Peralta obviously signed that long extension in spring training at the outset of the uh, the, the season that we thought was going to be. I, I think everyone felt very excited for Freddie in that moment. He was uh, he was crying tears of joy because of the money that he was able to bring home to his family in the Dominican Republic. And Peralta has an electric arm. There's it's not a surprise that the Brewers felt confident in giving him. A contract extension with with some guaranteed money there. He broke out in 2018. Some of you may remember his major league debut on Mother's Day at Coors Field, pitching I believe it was five and two thirds innings, striking out 13 batters, primarily with his fastball. I think he threw about 80% fastballs, and that's always been the big thing with Freddie Peralta. He relies on his fastball, but almost too much. He last year he threw the fastball just under 80% of the time and his curveball 20% of the time, threw in his changeup a couple times. but And, and some guys are, are not good at throwing changeups, and it just is how it is. But he instead of adding a changeup, he added a slider this offseason to pair with his curveball, and he believes that that's, that's the weapon he needs to really take his performance to the next level. It will be interesting to see if he can do that, because last year his ERA did not show the kind of pitcher he was. He struck out 12 batters per nine, which even in the even in the bullpen is very good. His his walk rate was a little bit higher than you might want, and his home run rate was a little bit higher than you might want as well. But there is plenty of upside in, in Freddie Peralta. I have him slotted for 40 innings split between the rotation and the bullpen, a 3.9 ERA, 11.4 strikeouts per nine, 3.8 walks per nine, and 1.3 home runs per nine. I would overall be very satisfied with that. Also, one thing to remember about Peralta is he's only entering his age 24 season. So many guys who are 24 are not even in the big leagues yet. I think that that's definitely something to consider when uh, when analyzing Peralta and, and his potential upside, since he still is very young and there is room for him to grow. And one thing that, that you may think is, is Freddie Peralta is not a big guy. There's not a lot, in his, a lot in his frame, so he might not really be able to keep growing into his frame. But his arm is that electric that that I believe that even with the small frame, he will be able to become a, a solid major league pitcher, whether it's in the bullpen, the rotation, that remains kind of to be determined. But I do think Freddie Peralta is a is a, a big piece of the 2020 Brewers, alongside Corbin Burns, who who of course had that woeful year in 2019. He allowed three home runs per nine. I believe that with a minimum minimum of 40 innings, he actually had the worst home run rate in the major leagues. His ERA was up almost at nine, and his fielding independent independent pitching was up around six. And that's even with only four starts and another 28 appearances out of the bullpen. He was great for the Brewers in 2018 down the stretch as a reliever. And it, it's kind of interesting to see because he did sway a little bit from his game plan, and you do have to change 
the way you pitch when you are in the rotation versus the bullpen. Bullpen, you're a little bit more full throttle. But it's interesting because his velocity stayed about the same. The usage of his slider stayed about the same. And the usage of his curveball stayed about the same. So it is interesting. From what I was reading about Corbin Burns, it seems like the big thing was he was intentionally throwing his four-seam fastball down the middle. And his four-seam fastball, while he does throw it pretty hard, he averages about 95-96 miles an hour on that fastball. It is very straight, and straight fastballs, regardless of how hard they are going to be, are going to get hit at the major league level. And so a big key with Burns is maybe pitching off his slider. We saw that with Yolis Chassin a few years ago having success by pitching off the slider rather than the fastball. Or maybe it just means locating the fastball better and on the corners for Burns because the hard hit rate was through the roof for Burns. And there is upside in, in, his, in his arm. I do believe Burns will also become a, a solid major league pitcher, and I believe that he can handle the, the starting rotation maybe even a little bit better than, than Freddie Peralta, but 2020 will be a big year. And I think when you're looking at Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns, the, the pair of, of electric young right-handers that the Brewers have, they actually, this may be a little bit unfair to say, but I think that they kind of hold the keys to the Brewers' success in 2020. We more or less know what we're going to see out of Woodruff, out of Hauser, out of Lauer and Lindblom. The bullpen, not great, but they have, do have Knebel back. Hayter, of course, is still one of the best relievers in baseball. They have David Phelps. They, they have they have at least a solid, average to solid relief core. And they they have some stability in the offense. I don't think they'll be breaking any records with the offense, but they will have a solid crop of position players. But I think that there are there are areas to improve on in the pitching staff, and Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta filling those roles, I think, will come down to actually maybe the extra win or two for the Brewers in a what looks to be a, a very tightly contested 2020 season. I mean, the Brewers' rotation is, like always, going to need to, to perform for the Brewers to have a significant amount of success in 2020, and even in a shortened season, that doesn't really change anything even with an expanded roster with a possibly bullpenning council, which is, is always a joy to watch as a Brewer fan. But it will be interesting to see some of the new faces in the rotation, some of the uncertainties at the back end of the rotation, see if Woodruff can take the next step in 2020, if Hauser will be able to continue his success as a young right-handed starter for the Brewers, maybe for years to come. And 2020 will be will be a fun year to watch for the pitching staff, a little bit more exciting than the last few years of watching Wade Miley and, and Gio Gonzalez, Jordan Lyles. There, there, there is a little bit more of a variety there with the Brewers' arms and a little bit more excitement, especially when you're looking at guys like Peralta Burns, Woodruff and Hauser, and Lindblom in his return to the major leagues. So I hope you enjoyed our starting pitching preview. Stay tuned. Our next episode will be on the relief core. Hope you all enjoy and are, are getting geared up for the Brewer season in 2020. I know I am. I'm extremely excited that baseball is back. Be sure to check out our blog, bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com. On our blog, we have a number of articles previewing the season, both league-wide and a more focused piece on your Milwaukee Brewers. More analysis will be coming soon as well. We will analyze the roles of certain players for the upcoming season. I'll likely have one up probably in the next week or so about Corbin Burns, one of the more intriguing arms that the Brewers have for 2020. So make sure you check that out again. That's bleedingblueandyellow.com.
www.wordpress.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We'd appreciate if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Make sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Brewers Podcast.